0: In the previous episode, I left off at Solid because I thought Solid's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a major library within the KDE frameworks. And I surmised that I might have a lot to say about it. I don't know that I do. Um, I, I, I I was trying to use Solid in some example code to sort of demonstrate some of the principles that Solid kind of provides you, and KDevelop just kept crashing on me, unfortunately. I hate to say it, but that's just what was happening, and I I eventually just got tired of fighting KDevelop. I could have used something else, but KDevelop was not happy. I was adding the system path to... the, the system include path to CPP check, and... After I did that, it just, it really seemed to be unhappy with anything that I added as an include in the demo code. And eventually it just kind of stopped working and I had to kill that PID and then I had to, I restarted it and tried a different kind of uh, template uh, system, and and if it, I just got tired of it. I just had to quit. I, I should have just, I guess, should have just started with Cute Creator, but I, I thought the smarter, more obvious thing would be to use KDevelop, because, I mean, this is the KDE frameworks that we're talking about, so I don't know, I just thought it would be kind of all a natural fit, but KDevelop, for some reason, isn't sort of pre-set to to utilize well, I guess it maybe it makes sense because you're supposed to have your own development environment. Um, yeah, maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. Seems like it doesn't want to use system paths though, so I stopped trying that. And anyway, I don't know how useful demo code would have been. There are out of date tutorials online on uh, on KDE.org. You could look at them. They're vaguely interesting, and I think that the interesting thing about Solid, well maybe I should back up for a moment and talk about what solid is. So solid, it is a, where's my, here it is. It is a device integration framework. It provides a way of querying and interacting with hardware independent of the underlying operating system. This is the important part. So when you're writing code for a, for, for for a number of platforms, right, you're, you're just writing C++ code. You don't you, you don't know what the user is going to try to run your code on. You just know that you're writing some code to, I don't know, let's say, take a photo. You want to do like one of those photo booth applications or passport applications where a person looks at their camera, presses a button, or there's a countdown, takes a picture for them. Easy, right? In theory. Well, on Linux, one way to do that would be to query slash dev. That's where the cameras live on Linux, So if you look in, you know, I'm just going to do an ls, so slash dev slash vid asterisk, and it looks like I have two video devices attached to my system. I'm not sure that that's correct, but... Uh, I've got a video zero and a video one video, one of them. I know what that would be. Um, it's the, the little webcam that I have on top of the monitor, but right now I, I, I usually have two webcams because I, I test webcams for some applications that I work on. Um, but, oh, I, I see the other one. I know what it's seeing as a camera. That's not correct, but that's fine. So yeah, so I've got two devices that it's identifying as a video device. And one of one of them is correct. So if I sort of look there, slash dev slash video, or slash dev, and then look for some video device, it's relatively easy to find it. And, and one of the ways that you can do that is y- you simply get a listing of that directory, you filter out everything starting with V-I-D-E-O, uh, and, and then any number appended to it. And then you could enumerate those devices you could say okay well for every device that you find there make an entry in a drop down menu so that the user can choose between the the devices that you found at you know in in slash dev and then the user can go in and, and choose the camera that they want the application to to use and and run the application. And that's a perfectly valid way of doing it. The one problem with that, though, is that that doesn't work on Windows. Certainly, there's no slash dev on Windows as far as I know. And and if there is, it's it. it it doesn't have video devices listed in it, uh, and it doesn't ha- it doesn't work on Mac OS. There may be a slash dev. I I don't believe there is. Uh, I haven't looked recently, but I-, I wouldn't imagine there would be a slash dev. Whether there is or not, maybe there is. Um, then there there probably wouldn't be a video listing, and if there were, it would be restricted by something higher up the chain. Because Mac and, and Windows both are, you know, have a vested interest in locking down the hardware. They're very uh, sort of afraid of people releasing software onto their platforms that, for instance, activate your camera without your knowledge, that sort of thing. And so a lot of times they, they have security systems governing whether something can just grab the camera and start manipulating it. And and even beyond that, they just don't necessarily have the direct access. They don't provide direct access to peripheral devices. And the way that you are meant to access those things is through a, a, a software development kit or a library that they provide somewhere. AV Kit is what it's called for Mac OS. Uh, at least last time I checked, Windows I don't know, but there there would be something, maybe NT something, NT device. I don't know. I'm just making things up. So you would have to then talk to those libraries to to understand what kind of device you have hooked up to your system now you can do that you can you can write you can do a, an os check in your code find out what operating system the user is running this application on or compiling it on and then choose based on the response to either use this code or that code to ensure that the the, the software that the person runs on their system it kind of understands what what library it needs to use but another way to do it would just be to have a what they consider a, a an abstraction layer so that you as the programmer all you have to do is make calls out to solid and solid can help you navigate through the devices how solid gets that information is up to Solid. It's not something you have to worry about. Solid is designed so that if it is on one platform, it knows to use such-and-such a library, and if it's on another platform, then it knows to use some other library, and so on. So Solid's quite a convenience for programmers, because instead of having to consider, at the very least, three different methods of querying for hardware devices, the programmer only needs to know one, and that is go talk to Solid. Now, what does Solid actually provide the programmer? Well, it provides uh, generally classes, C++ classes, that... Sort of look at a device. They, they, they. You know, it, it it discovers that some number of video cameras are connected. Great. So you can query the solid system to find out how many cameras are connected, and then for each one, you could tell it to uh, again, make an entry in a drop down box or a drop down menu or to to find the one with the highest resolution and to you default to that, uh, or to to manipulate it in some way, maybe to uh, raise the uh, the gamma or or you know, whatever. You you can you have access to that device through solid, through at least whatever level of, of control solid offers for that device. And you only do that once. You do that once, or you know, you, you deal with exactly one thing, which is called solid, regardless of of what you're shipping to the user. And that's a huge time saver not only for the 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 act of programming the thing, but it's also a huge time saver um when you're you know for the the unpleasant surprises of what does and doesn't work and and believe me i've used things without a layer of ab- abstraction and it's not fun you get to to you get to debug the same block of code three times once on mac once on windows once on linux it's not fun because, especially since each one often has a, a slightly different well it has a drastically different interface that you're you're you might be talking to and then a lot of times it has a slightly different um maybe fix for a similar problem uh, i'm I'm using I'm making up an example here but but let's say that you were you were talking to a camera in your code and on Linux it comes out when when, when it defaults to this uh, you know one camera it the the picture is is very bright but on Windows the picture is is very dark and so now you have to go back and figure out, okay, so here's how I talked to that camera in the first place on Windows. Now, how do I get to the controls where I can adjust the gamma? Do I have access to that? Does the user have to intervene to give my application permission to access that device? And once they do, what controls do I have access to? I'm I'm making up examples here, but but you get the idea. And then on Linux, it might be a completely different set of problems. It might be, well, okay, I've got the device. I'm finding that really easy because I have direct access to it, but I, I don't have control over the device because the, the device has some kind of special driver that it's not exposing to, to, to dev video 0 or dev video 1 or whatever, uh, and so on. So Solid is a useful, useful level of, of abstraction that can ideally take all of that stuff out of the developer's hands. They don't have to think about what subsystem they're using on their target platform they just need to know that when they need a peripheral device they can query solid and there's a bunch of different things that solid uh sort of provides you know there's like i say there's a a, a whole class list on on uh, uh api.kde.org slash framework slash solid you can find a device list or not a device list a class list of everything that it provides and there's lots of different categories there's different interfaces there's a battery there's a a device, there's a camera, there's a device manager, a device interface, a generic interface, uh, a network share, an optical disk, optical drive, and on and on and on. So just a bunch of different kinds of things that you can imagine people connecting to their computers. And then within those, within each of those things, um, within each interface, it, it may provide a bunch of other functions so that you can—I don't know—you know—query qu- for a, a vendor uh, ID or a um, a product ID or maybe in some cases some some nominal kinds of controls that you you can adjust uh, and and that sort of thing. So really useful for um, developers and ultimately better for users. How do they do it? I don't know. I mean, it, it's really, really impressive, and that's kind of why I thought I might have a lot to say about Solid. I, I, I guess I have said something about Solid, but um, it, it is, it's really, I, I think this is the kind of thing, and I've, I've said this before about KDE, I guess, but I mean, this is this is some amazing stuff. I mean, this is a lot of work that they've done, and I, I feel like it's really easy to kind of overlook it and not think about it and just kind of take it for granted, but, but this is the this kind of stuff that just makes it a pleasure to program for a platform you know or, or with a framework like this is why you might choose that there is a command here in solid it's called uh, solid hardware 5 and if you just type that in then you get a bunch of you get some uh, help menu sort of and you get things like uh, solid hardware space list and that lists the hardware available on the system Whether or not that's useful in the same way that, like, LSPCI is useful or just looking in slash dev yourself, I I guess it kind of depends on on what you're after and what you're trying to accomplish. I I can't really think of of necessarily a use case for that myself. But maybe that's just, you know, I'm not being imaginative enough. Okay, next up is Sonnet, S-O-N-N-E-T, it's a multi-language spell checker. It's a plugin-based spell checking library for cute applications. It supports several different plugins, including Hspell, Enchant, Aspell, and Hunspell. It also supports automated language detection based on a combination of different algorithms. So primarily this is a development library, so if you're a Programmer creating something with a cute with acute frameworks, you would probably or you, or you might use this to add essentially spell checking to your application, which can be quite useful. Obviously, um, it, it's pretty easy to add as well. It's a, basically a spell check decorator. That that's the name of the the class that you add to. Uh, to to your code. so it's a let's assume you're using QTextEdit, edit, which is the cute text field um, library. So if you're creating a QTextEdit edit object, let's call it text edit uh, you, you you create that and then you do sonnet colon colon spell check decorator asterisk decorator equals new sonnet colon colon spell check decorator, parentheses the the, the thing that you've just created. So for instance text edit Close parentheses, semicolon. Uh, that's just an example straight off of the Git repo, but relatively simple. In other words, to just add that to your cute little text edit box. And then when people write stuff, Sonnet can detect the language, uh, ideally, and spell check it based on that. How does it detect the language? Well, I don't exactly know, but there are things called trigrams, apparently. And it's, it's essentially an analysis of the frequency of combinations of letter of three letters. Or I should say three characters because there were some spaces in the trigram that I generated. So uh, it, it detects, I guess, I, I'm imagining common things in you know, specific languages. Or rather, it, it detects common trigrams in some corpus of work and then i'm imagining that it it uses those trigrams to calculate calculate the likelihood of the thing someone is typing to be the same language as this set of trigrams that's what i'm imagining is probably a lot more complex than that there are though two commands included with sonnet that you probably won't use as a, a user but as a developer to to uh, essentially train train the or or to to analyze and and provide statistics for for sonnet you could use gen trigrams and parse trigrams gen trigrams uh requires a a, a text file full of some uh, preferably some consistent language uh and then an output file so for instance gen trigrams uh example.txt space output dot trigram now if you look at output dot trigram with most see i didn't forget i don't have less uh here's a bunch of things so there's let's skip down to the bottom 399 and 299 instances of slash sy this is a technical article so i'm assuming that's that's indicative of that uh let's see what else uh a-N-D ha- A and D only had eight. The word and essentially only is y- detected 15 times. That doesn't make sense. I don't believe it. Maybe. How many words is in here? Uh, word count in. I don't know what article I used. Here it is. There we go. Uh, dash W. 1157. I can't believe the word, the, the, the triplet, the trigram A and D only happened 15 times. Anyway. It generates trigrams, and then you can parse trigrams as well. Parse trigrams, output dot trigram, and I have no idea what it does with what it just, I, I just parsed it, It did nothing, no error, but also nothing obvious for me to latch on to to think, okay, well, that's that's what's happening to that information. I have no clue what happens to that information. I don't know what parse trigram does, and it uh, doesn't really uh, uh, give you a whole lot of hint. It it doesn't really tell you what it's for, but those are the two... um, executables in the sonnet package and the rest of them are just include files header files things like that for developers next up is spectacle spectacle is a great little application really honestly it's very cool it's a screen capture application i mean it's it isn't um it isn't that big of a deal and yet, every time I sit in front of a computer that's not Linux, which isn't often, admittedly, but, you know, the couple of times I do, people ask me, like, how to take a screenshot. It's 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 like they don't know. It's like something that people, I guess, don't do that often. Which puzzles me, because I feel like I'm always taking screenshots. Always. I don't know why. I'm just always taking screenshots of something. So, I'm... I, and I've always been that way. I've I've always been a... a but I've always known the quickest way to produce a screenshot on my computer. That's just one of those things that, you know, some people, the first thing they learn is to change the wallpaper. And one of the first things I learn is screenshot. It just seems like, I don't know, a thing that's useful. Maybe it's because I'm providing support to a lot of people and I need to take screenshots of things. Or, yeah, I'm not sure. But uh, Spectacle is a great little screen shooter and you can call it up by going to the k menu and going to spectacle or on on a lot of keyboards if you have a print screen key you can just hit that and that brings up spectacle and spectacle is kind of a full featured i mean it's it's one of the fuller featured screenshot applications that i've you know compared to others i mean some some it's it's you press a button A screenshot is saved to some standard location on your hard drive. Maybe it's pictures, maybe it's just in your home folder, maybe it's in downloads. You don't really know. Maybe it's on your desktop, you're not sure. Um, But that's where it goes, and it gets a standard name, and and, and that's it. I mean, that's that's your interaction. If you want to crop that picture down, then you get to open it in some photo editing, graphic editor, and and you can crop it there or whatever. So that's not how Spectacle works. Spectacle, I mean, it can, it can do that. The minute you launch it, it takes a screenshot. That's that's its default behavior, is that it takes a screenshot when it is invoked, which is a very useful thing. But then it, it opens a window with that screenshot visible, and at that point, you can choose what to do with that screenshot, or you, know, you can take a new screenshot. And, and there are different capture modes. There's a capture mode uh, for the full screen, for a rectangular region of your choosing, an active window, or only the window under the cursor. I tend not to use either of those, the active or the window under your cursor, because what I have often found is that it it basically gives you some dead space around the window to account for the drop shadow. I never want the drop shadow. I mean, you know, I say that, and then I'm sure one of these days I'm going to think, I really wanted that drop shadow, uh, and I'm going to be happy about it. But yeah, I I usually use either the full screen or the rectangular region, and probably most often the rectangular region. Uh, You can delay the screenshot. The, the screenshot that you're about to take. You can delay it by any number of seconds. Or you can say, don't take the screenshot until I click. You can include the mouse pointer in your screenshot, or you can turn that off so that there's no mouse pointer. Uh, you can include window title bar and borders or not. You can capture the current pop-up only or not. You can quit after a manual save or copy, and then you can trigger the, a new screenshot. Now, in addition to that, There are lots of things you can do with, you know, around your screenshot. So for instance, you got a screenshot. What do you want to do with it? You want to save, save as, do you want to copy it to your clipboard? and then just and then just have that in your clipboard for a while and wander off and paste it somewhere do you want to um export it to a certain application i can export to a a share uh function which is the kio thing so i can send it to a device i can send it to a google drive uh which i wouldn't want to do but i mean i could if i had to uh send it over bluetooth send it through email or post to or imjur or whatever you imgur uh and then there are yet more online services because i have i must have some plugin turned on in dolphin i can export to remote storage export to uh export to kml export to j album and it just goes on and on like that uh and then there's i could open it in Gwynview, in geeky in uh xpaint in GIMP, uh, color paint, ocular, it just goes on and on and it's great because I mean there are so many times where I just want to take a screenshot and then go straight over to GIMP to I don't know paint an arrow on the thing or, or something like that. There are also extra tools so you can, yes you can record your screen so maybe you don't want to do just a screenshot you want to do a screen like a screen recording you want to video record the screen well you have access to that here not necessarily i mean you may may or may not have something installed for that to happen um i i i use simple screen recorder and and that seems to work really well and and Spectacle detects that that's a thing that I have. It also does let me know that there are others I could use that I don't have installed or that it can't find installed, uh, and it offers to let me go visit those home pages and so on. So that's kind of cool. I can print straight from the tool menu. I could open a default screenshot folder straight from the tool menu, and then there's a configure button so that I can set things like how does it behave when it is first launched. Does it take a full screenshot, or does it just go to... Uh, whatever capture mode I used last. What's the... Do I want it just to save the screenshot, like the simple ones that I was describing before, uh, or not? What happens when I'm doing a rectangular region? How does it... um... How does it how does it present the rest of the screen around the region that I'm selecting and so on? I mean, it's an amazing amazing screenshot application. Honestly, I I love it. And once you when you are ready to save your screenshot, you can save it as any as you know any of the popular formats. You you it it it'll convert it to that. I don't know what it starts out as. Presumably, probably like a TIFF or something something highly uncompressed. And, and you can save it as a .JPG .PNG, a .png web p web p or yeah WebP. um and and it's so nice because it just it just converts it i mean i can't tell you how many times on other um like on gnome i i when i take a screenshot i if i want it in some other format other than i think png is what it does then i have to i have to just convert it myself i just convert blah to blah dot web you know it's just it's just that extra step and 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 spectacle makes sure that you have it all right there, available, easy, all in one go. Definitely one of those things that I appreciate more and more the more I think about it. Another thing I appreciate more and more the more I think about is coffee, and it is time for a coffee break. So let's go take a coffee break. We'll come back, finish up the show. Okay, I'm back, and I've got my coffee. I actually just took a drink of it, but you don't know that because I cut out what I, what I uh, the sound of me slurping and sipping. Um, I guess you don't really slurp coffee so much as you sip coffee. Anyway, um, it was good. Hopefully you're enjoying your cup of coffee as well. Now, what we need to talk about is listener feedback because I got some listener feedback about... The, I guess it must have been episode 507 or was it 506? Uh, wherein I was musing about what I called during that episode and what I'll continue to call, for, for lack of a better term, is sort of the namespace of common commands. And I got one feedback from Deep Geek and then one from Vulcan Rider, and both of them have a lot of interesting things to say. As as usual, uh, and here we go. So, Deep Geek says, "I was listening to last week's show where you once again editorialized on having a namespace on com- for, for common uh, command line commands with a way of choosing a backend to supply it." It occurred to me to write you to let you know about the Debian alternative system. When I wondered if it was available on non-Debian systems, up oh, popped an answer in my search query, uh, and there's an alternative version, uh, an alternative version of alternative, uh, re-implemented by Red Hat. So it's, it's actually a pretty widely, it's a widespread system at this point. He says, I do agree with many of your editorial points, like having a common file dialogue, which oddly enough is provided to flat packs through a system called portals. So, um, I've established that you know about the alternative system. Why don't we just implement it there? Am I missing something? If you you were, for some strange inspiration, to supply a package of either bash aliases or alternative system aliases, I would be one to try such a thing. So yeah, this is, I mean, that's probably the most obvious answer, and it's funny that I didn't think about that because... I have implemented such a thing in a way for, coincidentally, Flatpaks. Flatpaks, as you may or may not know, depending on whether you use them, have this supremely annoying thing, uh, and there is a bug about it, and the developers of Flatpak are simply not budging, and the thing, uh, I've mentioned this before, I know I have, so I'll just say it quickly, you can't just launch a Flatpak. Like, you can't just, for instance, if you've installed GIMP on Flatpak, then you type in GIMP. Oh, apparently I'm not running Gimp as a flat pack, because it just launched. Um, uh, So if you installed... Krita? No, Krita's not... I don't know what flat packs I have on my... Handbrake. Like, let's take Handbrake. Handbrake is a great little application. I have it installed as a flat pack, even though I maintain the Slack build for it. Um, it's just, it's wh- why go to the trouble? It's just why not flat pack? It's right there. So Handbrake. Okay. So if I try to launch Handbrake, command not found. Well, what about Handbrake with a capital H? No. Okay. What about Handbrake with a capital B? No. Okay. Oh, it's a flat pack, right? Okay. So flat pack. What is it? Run uh, and then handbrake, what's handbrake's, um, website, I don't know, actually, because I, I never go to handbrake's website, so I'll type in handbrake, okay, oh, it looks like it's handbrake.fr, okay, cool, so, pack run, fr.handbrake, dot, I guess, handbrake, probably, right, nope, uh, oh, it's probably capital H, handbrake, so... fr.handbrake, capital H, handbrake. No, no, okay. Capital H, capital B, so fr.handbrake.handbrake. Still no. Doesn't you'll you'll never get it. It, You'll never get it unless you realize that the command for HandBrake is ghb. Like gtk HandBrake ghb ghb. If you if you type that in, then Flatpak can find the executable for HandBrake and actually launch the stupid application. It's really annoying. It's it's profoundly frustrating. I don't know why it's a thing. So uh, what I did was I made a, a two different applications actually one called Fuzzpack, and one called Packrat. rat and i think it's Patrack. rack yeah Pat rack, uh, no, pack pack rat um does it's like an alternative command you 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 tell it okay pack rat da, um add dash dash command quote flatpack run fr.handbrake.ghb, close quote, and then the thing that you want to make the alias for it. So then I would just type in handbrake, because that's what I want to type in to launch handbrake. Hit return. That adds to your, I imagine it must be your bash.rc file. I don't really remember. I wrote the stupid thing, but I don't remember. Um, and, then, and then from then on, once you've added that to your your thing uh oh it tells you okay so run this thing yeah it is it's, so it's it's added to a file called um flat pack underscore aliases in your dot rc dot d file and so then you source that file of course to to make it go again and now if i just type in handbrake the flat pack actually launches it's it's a really really nice system if i do say so myself it, it totally works is it is it needlessly and of course you can do things like pack rat list, and it tells you, oh, you've got one set up for Synfig and one for Handbrake. Cool. Great. Um, is it over complex Do you need it? Could, couldn't could you just do this manually? Well, of course you can, but sometimes, you know, it's nice to just have that right there in your in your terminal. You can just type in the thing. So, it's a really simple little application. I just did it because I was tired of opening up flash uh, pack aliases, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I, I made that, and it's nice. And you can remove the, the aliases as well, or list the ones that you have aliased. So it is there are some convenience functions there in other words. Uh so it, and and that was the, the direct I was blatantly ripping off alternatives. Um so yeah, that would work is what I'm trying to say. Like that would 100% work. Um and and yeah, I mean that's the answer, right? That's the personal local Answer for I want if config to always be if config even if an I if if a command called ip comes out for if config I want it just to, to to still I want to type in if config. Now the time that that starts to break down a little bit is in in, in the case of something like netstat where yes the 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 quote unquote new the replacement is um, netstat-r is mapped to IP route, and netstat-i is mapped to IP-s link, and netstat-g is IP-MADDR, and uh, netstat in general is mapped to SS. That, that's the point, right? So you've got, you couldn't really say, I just want to swap out uh, netstat. Oh, I still want to type netstat for SS. Well, that's fine until you need actual netstat or no rather until you need netstat -i to actually map not to ss but to ip -s link then that starts to break down a little bit and i think i think that's the problem so yeah uh, it, it's but it's it's a lead that's definitely the right direction i think now Vulcan rider emailed me and said that um that he's gonna okay. So uh, actually, I'm going to probably be the old. This is uh, Vulcan Writer. Uh, actually, I'm going to probably be the old grumpy, curmudgeon, graybeard sysadmin. But I wanted to comment on changing the names of commands in Linux. So I'm gonna. This is Clat Two now. I'll, I'll interrupt here and say that that's not. I'm not sure that Vulcan Writer meant that that's what I was saying, but that is not what I was saying. I'm. I, I'm saying that I that I understand that commands have to evolve and. And, you know, sometimes they take those old commands and just tack dash ng, uh, like new, next generation or new generation, whatever ng is supposed to stand for. And then, and then you have, like, that command except dash ng at the end, which, I mean, that's, that's a way of doing it as well, right? But what I'm saying is that let's not change the names of the commands and yet still let them evolve, So I just wanted to make that clear because I do feel like I got off on a little bit of a tangent later on in that episode when I was talking about um, things like GNU install being a thing that is occupying a useful namespace right now and how I would like to... To change that but maybe that's what he's responding to either way he says a big part of the problem is that linux wants to straddle a line on one hand they want to claim that they are unix-like and all that that entails but on the other hand you have people coming along saying this is a broken concept i will fix it for you and then just clat to again so so the to summarize the the conflict here is that some people don't think it was broken in the first place and in a separate email, uh, he goes on to say, where is it? He goes on to say that, yeah, here we go. Um, so I, I was saying in my response, um, for instance, another example is typing IP or if config. The output is basically the same, for better or for worse. Um, so they're different binaries producing the same result. Uh, he says, as long as they alias if config to IP, well, okay. But honestly, then someone will come along later and make the old command go away from the New and shiny is better, even if it isn't crowd, which is what happened to ifconfig. They made it go away until someone built a package to replace ifconfig. Um, and I this is clatu again now. Uh so I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there, there's a, I do feel like there's a a certain level of suspicion here, as if though like someone, some group of people is trying to change things just because they want to change it and make old commands go away, and I, I don't know that I feel that deep fear myself. I, I, maybe I'm being naive, but for me, I don't know. I, I'm assuming, I'm taking everyone sort of more or less at their words and, and assuming that that when commands are are declared old, uh, there was a, some reason for it, like there was some lack of functionality, and I could be wrong about that, I, or... or or even if it's just, um, maybe it has all the functionality, but looking at the code just doesn't, doesn't, it's not easy to maintain. Or realistically, maybe the code is just, it's not written in a language that you're finding enough contributors for. There are lots of reasons a command might be considered sort of like old and deprecated. It, it might, it, it's in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I I probably would think, and I could be wrong, uh, that most people would leave a command alone if it was perfectly if it was working fine. Why reimplement it? Maybe, maybe people would, like like Vulcan Rider says, like maybe 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 there is a, a contingency of people who are just like, well, it just needs to be new, it just needs to be different, and, and that's better than than what it was before. Um, but I, 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 I tend to, to imagine that most people will be fine with what they're given unless when they look at the code, they just can't make heads or tails of it. Um, and, and that's sometimes, I think, maybe when you re- re-implement, maybe I'm being naive because I mean, I know there is sort of a tendency, especially within, I don't know, the technical crowd, like, you know, the not invented here syndrome. And and maybe it's just a question of, well, I see how this thing works. I could go in and try to change it, but I'd rather just write it from scratch myself. Could be, could be a thing. Absolutely could be a thing. Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. And, it's, and and when I say I don't know enough about it, I mean I think there's a lot of stuff going on there and I don't know that any of us can know enough about it to know the real motivations behind it all. Um, But I guess, I mean, in general, I'm going to just take people at their word. I mean, if if for some reason if config was was found deficient and IP is working better, then I'm going to assume that that's the case. If netstat, even the man page says netstat is, is an obsolete command, is mostly obsolete. So, I mean, I don't know who's saying that. I don't know what voice I'm reading reading that in, but it's in a 2014 man page written by someone. Um, and I'm going to assume that that's, you know, someone throwing in the towel saying, Hey, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to maintain this command anymore. So, um... Someone else should do something with it, or else someone should make something else to do the same job. Uh, there's a bunch of different authors uh, listed in this man page, but I don't. It doesn't say who sort of declared the the obsolescence of the command of netstat it's definitely complex though um, and I think I think it would probably go down easier if as I was saying um, and I think actually as as we're all saying I think I think everyone in this conversation Vulcan Rider, deep geek and me are essentially sort of saying the same thing and that is that that there's a certain set of commands that are sort of like system level commands that have either been around long enough to to just sort of they, they become the de facto way of doing a thing um or they they really are i mean they really are just a system level command like from this from, from i guess that's the same thing just from the beginning of unix um i did look up if config out of curiosity it was not in my unix 1982 manual so that was just an interesting thing to 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 find out because i'd assumed it had been there longer uh, but it wasn't back in 1982 apparently um, at least in this one, you know, I think it's a BSD four dot something or another manual or something like that. Um, anyway, the Vulcan writer says. I have never used or tried to use or was even aware, aware of the install command. I think package managers are fine. I would rather do that than have some universal package format or uh, or command. If I'm honest, a lot of this probably came from the commercial Unices, which all had their own different methods of doing things like installing software. For instance, installing software on SunOS, Solaris, AIX, HPUX, OSF-1, never even heard of that one, uh, were all radically different because each unice from each company had to be unique, or invite lawsuits from other companies. I mean, if you want to take it back to the basics, dot .slash configure make make install, um, and even that is more modern than configuring and compiling by hand. Ouch. So um, this is me, Kawatu, again. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a bunch of, um, there's a lot of thoughts about this, is how I'm going to summarize it. And, and I think generally, I think think I think most people would be more or less in favor of having quote unquote standard commands but there are exceptions to even those who seem to be agreeing for one reason or another and and that's the I mean that's that's why we are where we are now I mean and I don't I'm to be clear I'm not I am not saying that we are in a very bad place I am just saying it would be nice if we just had uh, some standard commands, and as I pointed out in episode five oh six, there's there are standard commands. I mean, there there is a POSIX specification. Maybe that just needs to be broadened a little bit. I don't know. Um, but there are things where you know, like said and grep and awk and things like that. I mean, there, there are. I, actually, I don't know about awk, but I mean, definitely said. And grep, I think, um, and tar. You know, th- there's just certain flags uh, and options that are meant to be in your version of that application, and they should do this thing. And as long as you have that, then then fine, we can alias it to just said. We don't have to worry about whether it's g said or some other said. We don't have to worry about yeah, awk. Actually, we don't have to worry about if it's knock or gawk or or something else. Uh, what's the other one? I don't know. But you know, th- there's a lot of different sort of implementations of the same thing and if you think about it like programming it is basically the same concept if you have two programmers one's working on the front end and one's working on the back end maybe they obviously need to have coordination between themselves someone they need to know what kind of input are you going to give me so that i can put it into this function and what kind of output do you need from me so that my function is useful to you that's the same sort of thing that i'm i'm I would like to see us going towards in the Linuxes and Unices of the world. I know there's not really many Linuxes because there's just one Linux kernel, but you know what I mean. So The, the Linux and the, the Unix, the, the POSIX world, I think just understanding that the input and the output standardization would be, would be convenient, I think, for everyone. And then, as a separate point, I think that some command names that are intuitive, like if config, I don't know that that's necessarily intuitive. I don't know that IP is necessarily intuitive either because TCP IP, I mean, the IP command doesn't really, I mean, you're not like configuring, you know, I, I mean, I guess you are, but I don't know. It, it, it that's I don't think that that's super intuitive. I don't know what the intuitive version of those things would be. Maybe network, maybe that would be the thing, you know, like help me with my network stuff. I don't know. I don't know what that would be. But there are some commands that are intuitive, such as help and install. And other things like that. I think those kinds of of commands, those command names, ought to be reserved for doing the thing that they appear to do. I think that would be a huge improvement. So again, those are two separate thoughts. One thought was, and I should have never mixed these thoughts in the same episode. Um, One thought was, hey, it would be nice if the command names just stayed the same somehow, even if the backend changed. That's the if configs of the world, the net stats of the world. Let's just keep those and swap them out with IP and SS as needed, but no one will ever have to ever know that IP and SS exist. Second thought was there are some commands out there with really super obvious names that I think 99% of the people that you ask, what does that command do? They would have a certain notion of what that would be. Or if you told someone, hey, do a thing, guess the command, this is what they would say. So what do you do if you're staring at a terminal? Well, I I would type in help, because I'd just be like, give me some guidance. I don't know what to do with this black screen, green text. What do I do? Help. Well, as you know, probably, dear listener, help command is not helpful at all. It just lists built-in commands of the bash shell that you're running in that moment. No guidance whatsoever, really. It's just, it's, it's pretty useless. Not what, I shouldn't say useless. It's just what people who would desperately type help into a terminal, that would not be useful to them. And then, I mean, I would, I would much rather alias the word help to some info page about how to use maybe Bash or something like that. Um, install, obviously, I've talked about that. Like, what does that do? Well, it doesn't install stuff. I mean, it does, but not really, right? Like, if you, if you told someone, hey, I'm going to give you a terminal, and I want you to figure out how to install um, Firefox, they're not going to... One of the things... the First, they're going to type help. Uh, finding nothing better than that, they'll think, well, maybe if I just type in install space Firefox? Like, on my dream POSIX system, that thought process would result in a working version of Firefox that would be it that would that would be the way that you would do it you'd say help and then ideally it would actually tell you in you know useful information and and failing that then you would just guess huh. install firefox and that would do it that would be like a DNF install, Firefox, or whatever. So anyway, those are my two thoughts. One, old, reliable names, keep them. Two, useful names, use them. And that's it. I think that's everything for this episode. Thanks for the feedback, everybody. These are interesting. I, I really enjoy sort of theory, theory crafting about how computers could be different or better or different and better, because it. I think it's a useful... Like, if you don't consider all angles... Then you're not gonna hit upon the best angle. and you know, I think within certainly computing and and sort of the well when with because computers are so ubiquitous today i I, I do feel like everyone has their own preference at this point, like everyone's got an opinion and not. Not everyone, but some people have opinions about how they should be. And so it gets harder and harder, I think, to find a point that everyone agrees on. But I think that's the the pleasure of really looking at it from all the different angles. Because you do, you see the complexity, you see the different requirements or the different preferences and i just as someone who likes to tinker on those sorts of things it's just it's an eternal desire to make everyone's preference somehow be compatible you know even when sometimes it's just like completely not compatible like no i do not want you to change the install command, like the install command, is what I use to generate to copy a file to a path and make and create the, the leading pa- directories up to that path, uh, in, all in one command. It's super convenient. Never change it. I would I I would rather have install personally be doing something useful to all users, not just to like the person who scripts and and installs a file and the directory path all in one go. I think those people could 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 live with inst instead of install, I'll bet. But normal users who, who just just want to type out words, install. That, that should be theirs. So that, that we should give them that, that command. But somehow, I would like for all of these things to work together and, and to make the uber, uber POSIX. But not today, but someday, maybe. We'll keep trying. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. of being modest, but then I've heard that people who lead dangerous lives usually are.